go to the festivals. And I know that that's really hard because not everybody lives in L.A., not everybody lives in New York, all of the, the, the bigger, you know, communities. But to the degree you can, if your film is showing, show up. I know film festivals will also give you special attention. You might end up being on a panel. Hi, and welcome to Best in Fest. I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people that want to learn all the juicy little secrets of Hollywood and uh, making films and television in Hollywood. And today I am super, super happy to have a wonderful guest online. Uh, her name is Jenny Hayden, and she's got over 20 years of experience in acquisitions and distribution of award-winning television programs, films home video, DVD releases, I mean, across all platforms. She's got a wealth of information. She has over 200 programming hours of sales in 180 countries. And that in itself, somebody should give you an award, Jenny, because that, that's crazy. Uh, she's also a consultant, marketing, a sales agent representative uh, who helps out filmmakers and television producers and she's also involved in a uh, oscar nominated campaign for a doc so welcome jenny how are you hi i know that that was a mouthful uh i wasn't it <laughs> i'm so happy to be here and you know i ha have my own you know uh observations insights it's interesting because I have one foot in the creative and another foot in the business aspect and the creative is so hard I mean it really is so kudos to all of the creatives uh because um I still do have you know some pitches out there whatnot but my primary focus now is helping people who have their own visions and their own films, their own stories that they want to get financed, monetized, and out uh, to platforms. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I, I want to start with this um, Oscar campaign. Uh, you know, it's it's this this iconic thing that all filmmakers, you know, want to win an Oscar, want to have the opportunity to have a campaign, but nobody really knows other than the studios, right? On an independent basis, how do you go about doing that? What are the elements needed to actually start or run an Oscar campaign? Well, I'm, I'm specifically involved in, in, um, shorts, and um, th there's a different kind of, you know, parameter reality, you know, uh, boots on the ground, rubber hitting the street, all of that stuff. Uh, and the great thing is, is that shorts really are for anybody. The awards won't be announced until March 27th. But the nominees, th they range from, you know, uh, people in their 20s to you know, very polished filmmakers to um, self-financed to filmmakers that had their film picked up by majors like Netflix and, you know, what have you. So, yeah, um, I think it's uh, really pertinent uh, to anybody interested in learning the chops about filmmaking because this is a avenue to really cut your teeth. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend a ton of money. What I'm involved in is um, sort of after the fact, similar to a festival where the, the cream rises to the, the top, and, and um, that is a very 
important element to for any filmmaker to know that participating in the festivals is not only valuable for their own exposure, but you know you really can then potentially get Oscar nominated. It's not a big secret. Um, it seems to be a mystery, but you only have to go to the AMPAS website, and they they delineate you know, what the benchmarks are. They have the festivals there where you, where you would want to be, and, and to qualify, you do need to be best and fast. But this is where you meet the same people who year in and year out are, you know, getting there. So um, it's a theatrical release. What, so it's not really a campaign. This was initiated by one of the uh, branch members from the Academy, and the branch was the shorts branch. Uh, it, the shorts branch itself was under uh, scrutiny as to their value, and many of the other uh, members within the academy were saying, "Well, you know, if it's webisodes, shouldn't be it be like tele awards, or shouldn't it be like an Emmy award? Because we're not seeing them in theaters." So the company I'm working for stepped up and did that theatrical to secure and work in tandem with the uh, branch. Um, so it is simply a theatrical release of the nominees. And um, it's fantastic because it's a compilation and it provides filmmakers and fans to actually see all of those nominees on the big screen and look at, you know, the the huge variety of style and approach and topics and it can help really inform uh, your projects and um, your vision. I just can't say enough about how great it is to see them all up on the big screen side by side. It's fantastic. So what she's saying for those that are listening in that may have missed it, when you do a short, you then submit to festivals who are Oscar qualifying festivals. You have to win Best in Fest at that particular festival in order to then submit to the Oscars as a potential nominee. Part of that is also this particular company and campaign she's doing is this is a, com a compilation of the Best in Fest from several different film festivals. Is that right, Jenny? And that's what went up on the theatrical screen. Or, no, or no, no, no. Clarify that for me. It's actually the Oscar-nominated films in the three categories for the shorts. So there's the animation, the live action, and the documentary. And um, and that's that's what I'm saying is is what's so interesting is is to see you know, what, what percolated, because these are the Academy-nominated shorts. Got you. Okay, so this is after they've then submitted, they've become nominated, and then this is the actual official nominated shorts that are then screening on in the theaters for the Academy members to vote on, correct? Oh, and for just general audience and fans. I mean, it's also become a significant revenue stream. Oh, and obviously, uh phenomenal tool for individual filmmakers to use to try and move the needle to get those votes for their own film right right and that in itself is is its own um special way of how the filmmakers work in conjunction with getting and securing those votes you know getting those uh members to pay attention to their short to go see their short and to vote for their short 
What type of films have you seen have more of a chance of getting that Oscar nomination than, let's say, others, even though they may have been selected to screen at these festivals that are Oscar nominated festivals? What have you seen in your in your like, you know, travels over the years? Well, my area of expertise is in the, the documentary you know, so, so I can really primarily speak to that. I think historically it would be great for anyone who wants to really be a student of what comes to the top to go and look at these. These are now all available in various forms, whether like Netflix is a huge supporter. Um, so many of these shorts, whether they're live action, what have you, are live on Netflix, others live on HBO. Um, it would be a really great process to just watch that. As far as documentaries go, it is uh, typically uh, films that have a strong story, which means not a survey. So we're, we're not looking at Katrina and you know that the disaster, which of, of course is an important, but it's through the lens of one particular protagonist. And that's what I see time and time and time again, the story being told through a very strong character, you know, which has to be cast. I mean, you know, you, you don't want a dry and dull character. You want someone who's got the passion, the investment, the stakes, the outcome that they have investment in which makes the audience invested in their story and what the outcome is i see that time and time again it's easier than it sounds to do but that is really time and time again the element i mean one of the nominees is a short biopic which is essentially i mean and this typically goes against all rules talking head with b-roll that's it but the woman is amazing and her charisma bleeds through um it's called queen of basketball and who knew she was the queen was invited to participate in the nba has an amazing story and uh passed up on her potential for fame uh to go back to her small town to uh teach it's also a a, a story of diversity this is a black woman and that's also something that you know um does make a difference uh with the academy and voters and fans people are really hungry for stories of diversity, stories of people who have not had their stories told, their experiences. So that so it's a standout. It's a standout because of that, which would normally not necessarily be a standout, but particular this perfect storm has you know allowed it to really shine. That's that's nice. That's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Um, you know how do you how do you um, or how does the filmmakers, I should say, get the attention? Because you act as a sales agent um, and a sales agent aggregator. So how do the filmmakers who are going through the festival circuit get your attention? Um, besides, you know, winning an award and, and maybe funneling that towards you, is there something 
that filmmakers can do to really um, increase the potential of getting a sales agent to help them uh, distribute their product? I think being nice is probably the the biggest element because you know um, you can have a great film and if you're difficult to work with it's everybody is drinking through a fire hose so I think you know a uh, big aspect is is just you know really being genuine and nice but being there showing up go to the festivals and I know that that's really hard because not everybody lives in LA not everybody lives in New York all of the the, the bigger you know communities but to the degree you can if your film is showing show up I know film festivals will also give you special attention you might end up being on a panel you know this is you know about um, promoting one another and supporting one another and so just you know throwing your film out on like I call it spaghetti on the fridge not going to be as successful as if you have a very targeted idea and film festivals do have different um, uh, flavors, and um, and you need to research that. Um, I would also suggest reaching out to the company that is doing the theatrical release, because if they get behind a film, they will do the alternative way of getting Oscar nominated, which is they will uh, forewall it, which you can also do yourself. Um, but they will floor wallet and um uh, they are a, a company that has three different branches one is the theatrical release the other is a, a, a collection of television networks globally that only show short films and then um, they also act as a sales agency and they have an output deal with all of the um largest sell through um itunes what have you so if you it's a good relationship to have and, and to be aware of, of uh, who those people are um, and create those relationships because, you know, they can really be supportive and help you uh, in your own strategy. Right. Well, you mentioned four-walling it. Can you explain that a little bit more in detail for those that don't know who are listening in on exactly what four-walling is? Uh, four-walling is when you pay to have your local independent theater show your film. And if, um, if you um, have a, a group of, of friends and colleagues that have uh, films that would make sense to show together, you can actually pool your money and buy out the theater at the same time. And um, again, this is all on the Oscar uh, Ampus, the Academy of Motion Pictures uh, site, but there's a certain number of showings that you have to do. And I think um, New York and Los Angeles, I don't think it's beyond that, but that gets you Oscar qualified. And then when we are Oscar qualified, the branch starts to evaluate when the nominees are um when the nominee when the um the applications close because you also do have to apply there's a, a rigorous list of th- you have to give them xyz you know uh, it's a you know t- 20 item list of things you need to do so don't forget that because 
once that's submitted, then you have eyes from the Academy watching your film. Uh, yeah, because a lot of people think, well, you know, do I have to screen? Do I still need to put in the application? Yes, you need to do both. You have to screen theatrically as well as you have to let them know you're applying. Okay, let's say one of these go through and they're lucky enough to get that nomination, right? How does that influence getting distribution, let's say, if they didn't win, but were one of the ones chosen for that nomination? Night and day. You um, likely will be uh, pursued. There are uh, um, sales agencies that specialize in independent films. And um, if you don't know who they are, research it. Or, you know, contact me. I mean, you know, uh, th there's a, a list of, not a list, I mean, you, you, these are people you kind of start to um, learn about as you're in the industry. Um, and I've got, you know, um, independent, um, well, companies, these are not independent companies, but they are companies that really focus on independent feature films independent horror, you know, um, in, you know, in, independent short films, they're, they're out there. And if you get nominated, it is a calling card. If you get a lot of awards in festivals, it's a calling card. And, um, yeah, your emails will be replied to at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Now that actually brings me to the next question. Okay. So uh, let's segue away from Oscar qualified films and let's just talk about normal um, uh, producers who have won awards at film festivals, trying to get the attention of distribution. Uh, what is your advice on, you know, what they need to include in that email that is that email reach to those distribution companies or distribution aggregators to let them know, hey, we're seeking distribution and, you know, we've won this festivals. What, what are the do's and don'ts of that email? Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Um, <laughs> by way of introduction, I'm Jenny Hayden. I directed this film it is a feature film genre running time awards just you know or or wins of and festivals um you know keep it short would love to connect with you and see if there's some uh potential that's it and then please i i would also ask please i know how busy you are just let me know you re you read this. <laughs> ah, like confirm. Like just let me know you you've confirmed that you've at least looked at this email or received this email. Yeah, that won't happen often. But but just you know, I I, I don't you know see why not to ask because you know again, every, these people are drinking out of firehouses and and it, it's it's incredible. But but if you say that, it's like oh okay, read you know. Got it. Now, do you suggest uh, in this email that if they have a lot of social media likes, uh, that they include that? Does that help that? Does it hinder them in that communication? Absolutely helps. Um, more and more decisions are, are being made by the 
reality that media has become this diverse and that um, you are able to bring something to the party, it absolutely helps. Absolutely. Okay. So if those are people listening in on the podcast, if, if you do and you are one of those little social media gurus that are able to bring a lot of social media to that award-winning film you're soliciting, include that in the letter because that's going to at least give that distribution company uh, another reason to open it up. And uh, Jenny, let me also ask, do you include your trailer link and do you include your link to your passcoded full length for them to view in that email? I advise people to just only put the trailer in. That way you're starting a conversation they like the trailer then they're getting back to you saying let me see the film so um i wouldn't put both in i i i think that that's um not developing a relationship and part of what you want to do is create those relationships with uh these potential buyers and by the way they're at these festivals you know, um, they're at these festivals. They are um, in the groups, in, in the, the uh, um, crowd, watching the same panels that you're watching. So, you know, um, I, I know it's a bit of a dichotomy because so many filmmakers um, have such a passion for their art but are shy. This is not the time to be shy. This is the time to say to the person sitting next to you, you know, and, and really network, um, even if it's a virtual panel, you know, because you've got that, that chat side where, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm from New Orleans. Where are you from? Start those conversations and, and build those relationships. It's really, um, it makes a big difference. And it might be outside your comfort zone. Your comfort zone might be, being behind the lens you've got to you've got to take the risk yeah you've got to take the risk take the risk and i think a lot of those filmmakers um who are listening in you know they're they're not actors right or um uh, most of them and so they are a bit shy and so i think they withdraw a bit when they should really put themselves out there because that's the only way you're going to really build that that relationship as you say yeah and then the other thing too is you know um at any film festival be sure to introduce yourself to the the director and the programmers um i um work part-time uh, for a film festival and we need screeners and maybe you would want you, you would be invited to be a screener and then you're meeting other top tier filmmakers and you're getting to know the uh, fil the festival programmers and the directors and whatnot. So you can also volunteer and get engaged. Yeah, I mean, at our film festival, we do the same thing. We ask for volunteer screeners that do kind of the first level of screening. They all, in ours, they, they all have to be filmmakers. They all have to have made something. They can't not be somebody from the medical field screening, you know, that's not what we're looking for. And most of the screeners we have are, are alums, you know, so we know the quality of their work cause we've, we've seen it. Uh, but we're always open to look at somebody new. If you are new, you know, part of the process is, is, you know, you, your work would have to be looked at 
in order to, to, to qualify. But again, that's elevating you, your story, your relationships. And if you're not invited, then, then it's like, you know, maybe you get some insight into why not and get informed so that your next project can be to the level that it needs to be. Yeah, that's really good advice for uh, the young uh, filmmakers out there is to try and volunteer to be a screener at a film festival somewhere, even you know if it's a D-level or C-level film festival, because the wealth of knowledge you're going to get from watching 50, 60, 100 films, you're going to see what what other filmmakers do right and what other filmmakers do wrong. And you're going to go, Oh, I definitely don't want to do that. Right. Or, Oh gosh, I, I did that in my film and that, that, that's why that doesn't work. Right. And, and you're, you're meeting, um, you know, colleagues where, you know, um, nobody is money. So it's, it's like, Oh my God, who was your director of photography? You know, and, or who was your editor or, you know, Oh, you edited that. Would you edit my film? You know, would you you know write the music? You know, I mean, it, it it is an enormous um, wealth of uh, relationships that will elevate you and um, your films. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so when you Jenny act as a sales agent and um, you are looking at and you're working with the filmmaker that has given you this product whatever it is a full length doc full length feature or just short content whatever um you know how do you process which let's say distribution companies or sales companies you're going to reach out to do you look from a content standpoint do you look from you know what's your what's your approach on that outreach because i'm a one-man band or a one-woman band um my uh approach is is very very um specific and and really driven by my relationship with buyers so you know it's it's you know what are my buyers looking for this quarter you know what am i seeing thematically that um i believe i could be successful at selling there are other um, entities that that are huge aggregators. Um, I'm thinking of companies like Gravitas, uh, Kino Lorber, um, Abamarama. They're able to take more uh, films than I am because they also have their own distribution platforms. They, um, it's, you know, hallelujah, welcome, you know, um, they have their own streaming platforms. You know, um, some of our, our uh, transactional video on demand, um, so they've, they're more robust in, in that regard. But because they're more robust, um, they tend to take a higher percentage so th- there's a um, a fulcrum, you know, that occurs. And one thing I think that it's important for filmmakers to know is that you don't have to go with one. It, it, it's not one fits all. Um, my specialty is monetizing films through actual license fees, which was what, that's how it was done in the old days. Now it's revenue share. I I have chosen not to do that because if I'm in the revenue share process, 
I'm in the collection business and I, I, I don't, I can't. Now, if you're a big company like, you know, Aquino Lorbo, Bama, these are all great companies, Gravitas. You have a division that has accountants taking care of royalty reports and so on. But you can say to those big companies, love you to handle all of the revenue share stuff, but I want to withhold rights to television and cable because television and cable actually pay license fees in advance. So you can, you can split the rights in what you negotiate with your sales agents. So th that's something to be aware of. Right. And n nothing against these very, you know, large, robust companies, but sometimes that may not be the best fit, especially if they want to take it all because they have so many that you uh, may get um, not the attention and the love, <laughs> the individual attention and love that you would get from, you know, someone like you. And if, you are able to, or I shouldn't say if, but, you know, being able to negotiate with them and remove the licensing aspect from that deal and handing it over to someone like you that specializes in that, you may end up making more money, getting a little bit more love, you know, in the licensing uh, opportunities, and then still getting the big cachet of the big, the big boy, um, you know, company. And it can bounce back because, you know, um, I, I just got a documentary picked up by, uh, for, for money, which is, you know, um, a, an unusual um, aspect of what a sales agent can do through PBS. You know, if, if you go to PBS, they're going to say, we'd love to run your film. You get to keep your sponsor spots and you, you, you go and monetize that. So they want, in essence, they want it for free. But um, I, I got a, a, a paid license fee from PBS that's going to be seen, not, not nationally because um, it's being syndicated, but it's being picked up by all the major markets. So that's going to allow their electronic sale through distributor to say, as seen on PBS. It bounces back. It gives them a little bit more cachet to monetize that more when they're selling it to these other opportunities. Do sales agents in general, and then how do you do it? Do they in general specialize and go, well, I'm just a sales agent for North America, or I'm just a foreign sales agent, so I'll sell the other territories. I'm just an, uh, a sales agent for the Asian territories. Is there a lot of that that you see, or and how do you do it? That's a complicated question. First of all, I think let's start out with the idea of um, dividing up rights. What you do not want to do is you do not want to have a sales agent who's non-exclusive. You don't want to have a sales agent who's handling various territories, all of us, all non-exclusive, because we're not talking to you. We're only coming to you with results. And what has happened and always happens is the, the buyer knows that we're pitching the same product so they start underbidding us and and against each other so you get you're, you're devaluing your price so whatever you do is make sure it's exclusive to the to the term so you know or or the category so you know um 
I'm thinking that this is more in sponsorship world, but you know, if 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 uh, you you're working with sponsors to find money for your film, you you, you want to give someone the automotive sponsorship only. You want to give someone else the so so similarly in the um, actual broadcast and transmission world, you want to do the same. Um, it is really 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 hard to uh, monetize offshore. Um, if you have a U.S.-based product, unless you have a really strong U.S. story. That doesn't mean it's not possible, but um, it's um, as far as where to put your time and attention, if, it, if you are a, a, a North American-based filmmaker, get a strong North American story so that you can then potentially get a pickup from a regional broadcaster and Everybody works differently. Um, I uh, work through a network of sales agents that I've built up over the past 20 years. So, um, you know, I, I work on a commission basis. So what I do is I will split my commissions with the guy who is the man for me in France. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's boots on the ground. I am never going to be able to, you know, be in Paris and, you know, go to, you know, um, have uh, some cafe au lait you know at the local bistro or yes or better yet an, a, yeah a, a nice glass of wine but but, but uh, that's a question you need to ask you know and and it's a valuable question um and then yes there are regional um but uh boots on the ground is uh the the answer uh as far as if you want to really go international find out and ask those questions. How do you sell to your buyers in France, in Japan, in you know, and and you know, um, the license fees and the monetization kind of goes with the G7. You know, it's it's you're not going to get a lot of money out of the Philippines. You're not going to get a lot of money out of you know um, Guatemala. Um, so so it, it tends to be regional and. Um, and there are uh, sales agents that handle just specific regions. Latin America is off the, the uh, rocket right now. It's just, it's just really a hot market. And I don't speak Spanish. I don't have... So you want someone who does, and you want someone who's based in Miami, or, you know, um, I mean, of course, L.A. is, is a, a strong, strong um, Hispanic community. So is New York, but but those are the questions uh, to ask is, you know, who are your boots on the ground in the most important cities in the most important markets? Right. Uh, you mentioned G7. You want to explain that for a term for people that don't know what it is? Oh, that's, that's just, you know, um, something that's sort of in the nomenclature uh, about the uh, biggest economies. So you'll hear, you know, um, that, that the G7 is getting together in, in you know, Berlin. or well, So it's the global economies that have the highest uh, economic power. And because um, they have the highest economic power, you're going to get the highest value for your product from those uh probably those those top seven and then it falls drastically have you seen a change in how the markets uh film markets are operating pre-covid post-covid do you see that they're gonna stay 
you know, virtual, I've, I've heard so many people going, oh, you know, like the markets are not the same, that they're virtual. Uh, I don't like the virtual markets, but, you know, how have you felt? Are you making um, sales off of that? Are you not really relying on these markets? I absolutely rely on the markets, but there is an overabundance of desire to get back into real-time in person and um it's that that is also you know part of the real value is is you create then real relationships it's it's really hard to create those relationships when you're you know um not laughing at the same moment while you're watching the same film in the film festival you know um there is nothing that will replace the value of those actual experiences and the role that the film festivals have in nurturing the industry and um, being an avenue for filmmakers to really not only rise to the top, but connect with other colleagues and create more relationships that will, you know, in- increase their art. Right, right. Um, out of the big uh, markets, film markets out there, Con, AFM, Berlin, etc., do you find there's one that you like uh, more so than the other uh, in Europe, Europe for certain reasons or in the U.S. for certain reasons? I actually like the smaller markets best because the, the, the big markets that you mentioned, they're really sales markets. They're not so oriented towards the film and the filmmakers. It's, um, I've got a catalog. Um, my, I'm, a, I'm a horror, uh, my, my catalog is all horror films. My catalog is all family friendly. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, and it's bulk. It tends to be more of uh, an opportunity uh, created uh, to nurture sales as opposed to films and filmmakers. So, you know, when it comes to the uh, big markets that I love, I, I love Doc New York, I, I love La Femme, I love Sundance, I love, um, you know, here in Los Angeles, um, um, why can't I think of their name? Um, Daniel Soul's uh, uh, Festival. Oh. Oh, uh, uh, dances, dances with wolves? No, dances with films. Dances with films is also great. The, the, um, Daniel does weekly, uh, monthlies. Uh, um, it'll come to me, but but um, you know, every every um, New York, every every big market has many film festivals. Um, but um, I find those to be more productive. Then um, going to, and I've been to, you know, AFM and the, the, you know, Cannes Film Festival. I've been to all of those. Those are great for sales, but they're not great for building relationships. What would be um, your piece of advice that you can give to a young filmmaker seeking distribution? The first piece of advice is to not give up. Um, you will get many, 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 many more no's than you get yeses. But, um, it is a process and the more people you know and the more involved you are and elevate your art through the relationships you have and what you learn during your path the better and um it makes a difference 
having you know festival awards or even being accepted in festivals it's it's a big difference because um the volume of content being created has never been you know greater than today and then you know tomorrow and next year and so on you know the uh cost of entry to make films is is just now of so economical that there are many 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 people um wanting to be filmmakers but um you need to be a good filmmaker and the good filmmakers will get recognized absolutely and you know keep that faith and the other point is i wouldn't be locked into um one definition of what your vision of a story might be so um you've got a film and it's um and inspired by a childhood event or experience and that's a piece of fiction that you've done as a live action well maybe it could be an amazing animation or maybe it could be the touchstone for a phenomenal documentary and that is a conversation that you can have with your colleagues through the the people you meet at the festival and then you know from my perspective given that i'm then oriented towards the television world you know um how could it be a television series well if it's documentary is 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 there you know a tiger king there and and just you know don't think of it as i've just i've got this story in this modality of storytelling great advice yeah great advice um what is a dirty little secret of Hollywood that you wish somebody had told you through your travels and you've now recognized going, you know, somebody had told me this like years ago would have been so helpful that you've learned along the way. It's not so much a dirty little secret, but, but, you know, for me, um, I, I'm, I'm an introvert. So, you know, don't be shy. Also the dirty little secret is don't undervalue yourself you know um don't undervalue it there will be people that will sweep in and and you know especially if you start to win awards whatnot um and say you know oh we can do this and that for you but here are the terms and you know you you only retain 30 percent and we're going to retain well you know don't undervaluate yourself everyone should listen to jenny and don't undervalue who you are i want to thank jenny hayden for coming on best and fest for those that are listening in the video component will be on the lafemme youtube channel and also the podcast is on all the platforms so make sure that you rate us and tell us how much you like best and fest and uh, don't forget to dm and uh make suggestions on who you would like to see or hear on best and fest uh jenny thank you so much shout out your socials for those that might want to get a hold of you in the future you know i've got a really snazzy business name uh, jenny hayden media you know my name so it's pretty simple um you can get a hold of me uh jenny at jenny hayden media.com you can check me out on my website which is jenny hayden media.com you can see me on linkedin i'm not great at uh, twitter and all of the rest uh but you know um i need to be everybody and that's something that's another piece of advice don't ignore social media it is valuable 
It is valuable. Don't ignore social media. DM us, ra- rate us, and uh, I'll see you next time on Best in Fest. Thank you, Jenny, and we are out.